Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationBoise.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, we have been talking about uh, worship, and the reason why is, is, of course, because this is the chief end of man. We were made to worship human beings at their very core. If you, if you had to define them in one sentence, is that human beings were made in the image of God, made to worship God. And so our theme of our conference this year is Be Thou My Vision. All the details are at ReformationBoise.com. If you register ahead of time, uh, you will receive a gift certificate to spend at the book table. Um it, it's coming up quickly, though. It's September 17th and 18th, so you don't want to wait. Go to ReformationBoise.com. So we have been speaking about uh, this topic of worship in order to kind of prime the pumps of, of our attendees. And so today, um, we're talking about the singing of worship. And, and real quick, for those, of, for those of you who are just tuning in, we've, we've resisted the idea of, of worship just being what you do on Sunday morning. Worship is, uh, is all of life. Uh, so we're not, uh, we're not saying you only worship on Sunday, then the other six days a week you're not engaging in worship. Um, having said that, we do want to talk about what takes place on Sunday morning. And we've also resisted the temptation to make worship the music. Right. Um, because sometimes you hear people talk about and say, I love the worship of that church. Well, it, wait, what are you talking about? Right. And what you find out what they're talking about is they love the praise band or they love the piano or they love the singing. Right. That is an aspect of worship, but that's mm-hmm. not the totality of worship. Everything that happens in the course of a, of, of a worship service is worship yeah. mm-hmm. um, from the call to, uh, to worship all the way to the benediction? Everything in between is worship. That's right. Now, having said that, <laughs> we are going to talk about singing today because this is an absolutely massive aspect of our worship to the Lord. So we're going to talk a little bit about the work of uh, Peter Masters, uh, and he has uh, seven standards that he presents for worthy uh, hymns or songs. And so here's kind of like, a, a, in one sense, a checklist of how you can determine whether your songs kind of meet the muster of, of whether they should be sung um, on the Lord's Day or not. And, and let me make one caveat real quick. I have a whole category of songs that I love that I listen to regularly that I would not that I would not promote at my church on a Sunday morning because mo- most mostly because they're not congregational that they're not able to be sung by a, a great group of people but that doesn't mean that those songs aren't good mm-hmm. so just so so he's talking about songs uh, that are fit to sing on the on the Lord's day so the first one is that songs should reflect the example and the method of the psalms so what does he mean by that? So actually, I'm borrowing a little bit here from Terry Johnson, one of our speakers. He wrote in, in a book called Give Praise to God, um, 
on this particular topic, and he said that the Psalter, the Psalms, teach us how to talk to God in various categories, um, in praise, in confession, in sorrow, in complaint, in thanksgiving, and in trust. And so we learn something from the Psalms about these different areas of communication with God. And so in our modern hymnody or in our modern contemporary songs, however you want to classify them, um, that deal with these topics, they should reflect, at least in part, some of the principles and categories and and helps and tools that the Psalms give us. Yeah, and and the Psalms are so instructive in that way. And if if we don't discipline ourselves to follow the example of the Psalms, then we're we're just going to get on the hobby horse of our mm-hmm. current mood. That's right. Um, and I think it's really easy to. And I, I don't think it's hard, and I, I don't mean this with a lot of judgment, because I think we're all prone to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. to to fall into man centered worship. Yes, and and then it's pretty easy to fall into man centered lyrics, mm-hmm. and it's pretty subtle. Yeah, well, and, or man centered topics. Like yes. I, as I'm thinking here, like my my general disposition is I'm I'm kind of happy most of the time, and so if I were you know. Picking songs without any respect to this criteria, I would pick happy songs all the time. Well, there's people suffering in our congregation right now. They yep. need to hear, and, and they need happy people. Quote, I'm doing the air quotes to sing to their situation. Mm-hmm. You know that whatever God ordains is right. Um, that though you know sorrow is is in the night, rejoicing will come in the morning. They need to hear their their fellow yeah. brothers and sisters singing those things right. to them. Right. And and often those things are missed. Missing in perhaps uh, contemporary Christian uh, music, particularly when it's sung by an individual and not designed for a congregation. And there's nothing wrong with uh, some of those songs, uh, but you know, as you say, you know, with a national, think about a natural national tragedy or the yeah. loss of life or something like that. What song that you're singing uh, that is ro- rolling through your mind because you have your a radio station tuned to a contemporary station, what song are you going to sing at the funeral that you heard that day? Mm-hmm. Um, there are songs that we ought to sing that speak to praise and confession and sorrow and complaint and thanksgiving and, and trust. That's right. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I've been working through the Psalms, and I had forgotten how many songs of lament there were, how many Psalms that deal with how long, O, o Lord, calling for God's justice yeah. And judgment on 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 the wicked. I, I mean, if you stop and think about how many hymns or modern songs do you know that deal with those topics? That's right. Well, just not very many mm-hmm. because they're quote unquote not marketable. Yeah, because they but, speak about things that we don't want to hear about. Or or yeah, and so it just reminded me again that so often we forget that God is not scared of the reality of the brokenness of the world in which we live. That's right. And he's saying to his church, go ahead and sing about it. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the second one, the second element, the second standard of, of songs that are worthy to sing um, in worship uh, is that songs should edify the worshiper. That's somewhat related to the last one, uh, that 
at least from this perspective, if you're in a season of lament, um, you, you not only need songs of lament to edify you, but you do need songs of of praise to to lift you up. So that's just one application. The the word edify is an archit architectural term. You know, it means to build up, and so that's the whole point of of these songs. When we sing, when Ephesians tells us to sing to one another. Encouraging us with psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. It's saying build one another up, and so in corporate worship, you are actually you're not just simply singing to God. You're singing for the benefit of the others, and those songs are should uh, lift you from your thoughts about yourself, build you up to thoughts about God, to to edify you, to to strengthen you for the the days ahead you know you you come in after a a, a week you need to rest your weary soul in god mm-hmm. when you come in on a sunday i'm resting from all of my labors here and and song is helping me do that it's it's setting my anxieties aside or 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 turning them over to God right. so that i sing his praises so the third one is songs should be reverent songs should be Reverend, that's the third standard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a, a, a great hymn, a really good uh, a contemporary song, has a sense of awe before God, uh, that sense of, of reverence. Uh, it's not flippant. It's not um, uh, what I call yippy-skippy. Um, it's not just some kind of a happy, you know, it's not frivolous. Uh, but uh, has, has that the weight of awe and and reverence, uh, and there's something about singing. Uh, there there are other, other aspects of the worship service where awe and reverence are involved. In, in fact, in every part of the worship service, there's awe and reverence. But there's something about singing uh, where uh, that uh, that sense of reverence. Uh, should come through in the in the songs and hymns that we select for worship. Fourth one, songs should be doctrinally clear. Oh, let me jump in on this one again. Sorry, I knew Russ was about to jump in, but um, I, I've just got to I've just got to say a word about this one. The great hymns teach doctrine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, there's a whole lot of. And one of my biases is going to come through here, but there's a whole lot of contemporary Christian music that, um, well, this isn't original to me, but I once heard somebody say, if you can take out the name of Jesus and put in baby, baby, and (laughs) and, and it still makes sense. That song does not belong in worship. Oh, baby, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that song does not belong in worship. And, and it's, a, it's a pop pop song where you, the, you could have heard on the radio, and it's just the name of Jesus stuck in there. The great hymns, the great traditional hymns of the, of the church, uh, the, chim, the hymns of Isaac Watts, uh, the hymns of Charles Wesley, um, the great uh, uh, psalmody of of the church teaches doctrine, teaches Christian truth in a really profound way, and there's something about singing it that embeds it in the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some uh, contemporary um, hymn writers that are that really do this well. You know, the Gettys are doing it. Oh yeah, Fernando Ortega is yes. another uh, wonderful. Um, 
musician, and he and he talks about how easy it is to write certain things, you know, and he says, write those things that are timeless, you know, be specific in your writing about God, avoid cliche, avoid c- convenience, avoid an obsession with the consumer, avoid the temptation to make a commercial success your central goal, write with intelligence, employ all craft, skill, and experience which God has endowed you. And, he, and what's interesting is he, he writes a phrase, uh, and he says, you know, those are not bad lines, but it only took me two minutes to compose those, mm-hmm. as opposed to something else that he's done with um, didactic skill and thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those hymns, that's why uh, the hymns have, by and large, had a longer shelf life than, yeah. you know, Phil and I, we've been around the block a couple times. We've actually been, we've seen the contemporary music scene move, move, move. And and so we're we're not singing some of those some, same choruses that we were introduced to in our youth yeah, right. today because they, but we're but singing, still the, singing the hymns. We're still singing the hymns because yeah. they have yes. that shelf life for their reverence. Yes. Peter Masters, who wrote this list, said that a song should be doctrinally clear in the sense that those that agree with the doctrine rejoice in it and those that don't are upset by it. Mm-hmm. So that the songs that you sing, if, if there are some that aren't happy by singing it and some that are upset, then probably it's not doctrinally clear enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, like in all of worship, there should be a sense in which a line is drawn right down the middle of the room. Uh, this doctrine that's being preached, it, it, it comforts the elect and it condemns the reprobate. The sacraments that comforts the elect, it, it excludes those who are not. The singing should do the same thing. I think that's wonderful insight. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Please go to ReformationBoise.com, register for our conference. Uh, it is coming up September 17th and 18th. You will not want to miss it. It's going to be fantastic. We'll see you next time. <laughs>